Hey podcast, uh, before we get into podcast, when I say hey podcast, I mean all of you who are listening. So first of all, thank you for listening. Second of all, uh, two little things for you to know about before we get into today's podcast. One, the Monday to Monday playlist uh, that Mike Boyd and I curate each week on Monday with uh, a lot of incredible music from a ton of emerging stars, especially if you're into Latin trap and hip hop. It's really made for you. Obviously if you're Caleb and you love metal, not for you. But if you are uh, the majority of people that enjoy hip hop or Latin trap, very, very much up for you. And so you can see that on Apple and on Spotify, Monday to Monday. I'm not sure exactly what, if you search Monday to Monday, it should pop up. That should be good. Search Monday to, Mo- Monday to Monday on those two platforms to subscribe to the playlist. And I hope you listen and I hope you enjoy this podcast. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. What's up everybody? Today we have the very first episode of Tea with Gary V. Gary answers questions about self-awareness, social media success, and different content strategies for your personal brand. Do you want to know how you can chat with him? Click the link below as well as hit us up and leave a review to let us know what you thought and I hope you enjoy. Uh, While we transition to the next uh, call, I just want to give a huge shout out to blueberries. I think blueberries are grossly, grossly underrated. And so, uh, so there's that. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Jamie? Hey, I'm good. I'm all the way in Southern Oregon, so it's early here. Like when you talk about self-awareness all the time, I'm just like, it blows my mind because I just feel like I've always been there and it's awesome to uh, be here. So I just want to give a shout out to your team because I know how much work it is to do audio and video work. So just props to them. To Anyway, so my question as a parent, actually, um, Every year I kind of pick like a word instead of like a thing that's um, like a New Year's resolution, I guess you could say. And my word this year is gratitude. Um, So I've been thinking a lot about instant gratification with like the internet. We're able to get on our phones. We can get into anything. And I know you love technology. I love technology. But um, with our kids, they can get on our phones and uh, just do anything and go anywhere and get it instantly. And we didn't have that life. So we know how good it is. Um, How do we show our kids that gratitude and um, how good we have our lives um, daily, even though we have such good things always happening, kind of just like easily. Well, you know, what's funny, like to your point, we didn't have the internet or, or the speed of which what we had, but like we had the BCR and our grandparents thought we were lucky. We had Nintendo and our parents yeah. thought that was crazy because they had to go to the arcade. So, you know, to me, I don't think getting kids to be grateful is predicated on making them feel lucky about what they have because that's just a reality. You know, mm-hmm. I think gratitude comes from actually devaluing things other than health and happiness. You know, I think the old school grandmas and grandpas that would just like cheers to like health and happiness had it down. And I think, you know, that's what I spend time on. So to me, it's really more about, um, um, uh, to me, it's, sorry, Dustin Strode. That's good. Yeah, seeing the good things going down. <laughs> to me, I think it's about clapping up and making a bigger deal of like time together. Like, I think parents are not patient about the deposits they're making with kids. 
Like if you, if you celebrate dinners together, if you, if you celebrate just talking, hugging, like if you, if you celebrate the right things, those things are being instilled in your kid. What parents struggle with is that they don't see the instant results of that. Long-term. It's always long-term. Like, you know, I think what parents struggle with is they want like their kids to like flip the switch and be grateful. See, now that there's Corona, be grateful for what you have. Right. Over your head. The reality is it's just not how it works. What you need mm-hmm. to do is instill gratitude around not an xbox or you have a roof over your head around like we love each other thank god everybody's healthy we love each other thank god everybody's healthy and you just stay consistent and then yeah when they're 27 they kind of over one night over dinner they they're like hey mom thanks for doing that and that's it like i, I think people most parents are looking for instant results from kids and kids are not those kind of animals. You'll see them, you'll see the results of that good work, that consistent deposit of the right perspective. You'll see that in their 20s and 30s. Right. Uh, yeah, I definitely feel that because I say to my parents, I'm like, I get it now. Because my, you know, trying to discipline the you out of your own kid is like, because <laughs> it's so frustrating. You're like, damn it, I remember doing that same thing. And it's also putting those things into perspective. I think a lot of parents over worry about other parents' opinions. Like I think yeah. my mom did extremely well um, that I'm focused on is like, if it, if I believe it, then, then that's what it is. Not if I'm worried about what the fellow teachers or other parents are going to say about it. Yeah. I know that's um, kind of what my word last year was like, kind of like forgiveness, forgiving myself for like what you talk about, putting yourself in self-imposed jail. Like I put too many freaking expectations on what parenthood and what my life was supposed to be. And then uh, all those like came crashing to a halt because you know how it is with kids. Nothing you ever thought was going to work is what happens. Nothing you ever thought was going to be the way it was is, is what it is. Everything that you put in as far as expectations with a child, it is, it is definitely changed by their they're coming into the world. <laughs> and, the, and the other thing that you need to think about, even like hearing you deliver that sentence, is mm-hmm. you need to fucking realize your life has kind of weirdly just started too. Like, oh yeah. Even like hearing you that sentence, I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, in a good way. I'm like, no, no, yeah. no. Like, you know, like, you know, like the way it was supposed to be or things of that nature. Like, good yeah. news, you actually have a lot more time to make shit happen. And I think that when we ideologically, when we're ideological at 16, 13, 12, we're thinking about 20, 30, 40. But yeah. like, you know, Colonel Sanders, the guy who created Grey Goose, Vera Wang, a lot of these people started their true calling in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yeah, I tell myself that all the time because I mean, I'm about to be 35 and um, I got my bachelor's degree in costume design. So that's my other thing. My and I'll let you finish, but you have to hear this. Yeah. I started VaynerMedia at 34 and started it in another company's conference room because I didn't have enough yeah. money. So no, like- it's totally, I keep thinking that. I'm like, you, Oprah, I keep telling myself, this is the time where I can get started and, and buckle down. Like, because my perspective is, is totally focused in the right direction now because I realize, you know, my kid is everything to me. And if I want her to do what she wants to do in life and be happy in that world, I have to do it. If I don't show her 
that I love what I do, she's not going to see that and she's not going to want to do the same thing. I want to give her the confidence by having the confidence in myself. I love that. That's the actual right answer. <laughs> well, I mean, that's self-awareness. <laughs> I'm the second of six kids. I watched like my siblings do it. My, my dad's uh, school of hard knocks, he built houses. So I was out on job sites when I was a kid in Florida. It was hot. I was like, I want to work smarter, not harder. I love construction. I love watching things work. So I just want to, you know, show her that she can build anything she wants to. I love that. Good for you, Jane. It's really, I'm really glad we connected. Right. Sure, Gary. We'll be connecting more. I just feel it. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Gary. Thanks for getting up so early in Oregon. Hey, I wanted to. All right, Dustin, let's going. Okay. Hello. Hey, deadly tarantula girl, you there? Rob. What's up, Gary? What's up, bro? How are you? I can't see you, but I'm good. You can't see me? I can now. Awesome. How are you, Rob? I'm good. Glad you got your stock of blueberries. Yes, I, I, I need blueberries. Also have some raspberries. Also wild. That's critical. That's critical. Mash or make some good wine. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. Um, so yeah, there might be a little legacy story to this, but basically I'm 37 and started an ant farm competition on TikTok. Wow. And exactly. It's the same thing I get from everybody else. So we went from zero to 70K followers. <clears throat> in the span of maybe like two to three weeks. And then now it's kind of around 70 going into the first month, right? Uh, you want to see them? Please. All right, here we go. Ready? There's Rosa. There's the box. The Gary V box, of course. We've got Rosa, Antonius in there. We've got uh, Forky. Yeah. It's an ant farm, basically. <laughs> it's pretty much the funniest thing in the world. But... uh hear me yelling and screaming about TikTok and jumped in or was there a different reason you jumped in? Yeah. So I've been hearing you for the past four or five years. I started a little hundred day workout challenge about a year ago, just listening to you, listening to podcasts, pushing your podcast, learned a ton from that, got over the fear of looking in the camera like I am right now. So this is really hard for me, but it's really fun. So <clears throat> the hundred day challenge kind of helped me get through the fear of looking at the camera. And I've been looking at TikTok for like three, four months. And I'm like, you know what? The office is doing an ant farm competition just for like lowering stress. We just getting a bunch of these ant farms, having fun, looking at ants. And it's like a really good way just to get out of the day to day like software industry. I work with a partner for SAP and implementing basically ERP software for process manufacturing. So it's definitely a job. And uh, this is just fun. So it started as a side thing. I've just been looking, as you mentioned, just looking into TikTok and just kind of watching and just basically just looking at the content and see, seeing where this would fit and like where would ant farms fit. And then nobody's doing what I'm doing. Just basically, that's kind of what I was going for is it's long form. It's one minute. A lot of things are 15 seconds on TikTok. So I'm actually building an audience and it's a lot of fun. 
and people are enjoying it. And I'm finding that the TikTok community, even if it's a little younger, very authentic. They really appreciate commenting. I love that. So, are you thinking about turning it into a viable business? <laughs> you know what? Like I've been tasting for quite some time, as you'd mentioned. Like I got into martial arts for 10 years. I uh, made a Sonic the Hedgehog video game, played poker online. Like I'm all over the board. So I've been trying to, yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to find the thing. Go ahead. What do you view there as a positive? I mean that. Good. Yeah. I've been trying really hard to find like, what is the actual thing that makes me tick? So you, you, you do view that as a positive, the poker and the Sonic. hundred percent. Because a lot of people I think take the judgment of others who are like, oh, you're always trying random shit, like boggle down and, you know, like all those conservative, you know, straight laced, stay in the pocket, you know, misery loves company voices that we all have in our lives that I'm always about carry too much weight. So I'm proud of you for realizing doing all that random shit, the effort and humility to find actual happiness is huge bravery and, uh, and something I just admire quite a bit. So good for you. Thank you, sir. So yeah, so basically getting into this and I just basically took the plunge and just put it on TikTok, just had a ton of fun with it and people are really grasping to it, which is great. So now we're at 70K and yeah, could I have a viable business? Could I go to like monetize it somehow? Actually, I could. Like some of the ant farm companies reaching out to me like, wow, we quadruple our sales. Like what the heck is going on? But for me, like I have a full-time job and I have three kids. I have a two-month-old upstairs. My kids just got up. So I'm doing this at nighttime. I'm basically taking quick videos while I'm on conference calls just like this. And then I'm making funny voice and just having a great time. I'm having the most fun I've ever had. So uh, the growth is there. The naysayers are definitely there. And I'm happy to say, hey, you know what? Guess what? I'm having fun. And now the naysayers are coming around. Naysayers? Like publicly? Anonymous public naysayers? Or like people in No, the- internal. Like more just my circle, which is crazy. And what's the naysay? Like this is... Uh, it's not so much this. I mean, it's more of like all hey, the little dumb things I want to do. It's like the little neg, like the 100 days challenge. Oh, why are you wasting your time on that? Just maybe general around the people I'm around. It's like, why are you wasting time there? Waste time on your business. You've got three kids, you know? So I'm finding time. It's fun. It's getting traction now. People are like, wow, they're paying attention to the ants, you know? Kind of funny. So where do I go from here is the question. You definitely go on YouTube. You definitely, definitely, definitely have to make YouTube videos. You have to. You you definitely go on Facebook. I, even though people don't think about Facebook these days, I think okay. there's a real opportunity there. I think you go on Twitter. What you're what you need to you won't get the viral growth anywhere else. This is why 100%. I kept the top of my fucking lungs. Like go on TikTok. Um, you did a good job. Uh, how many videos a day are you putting on TikTok? Uh, at least three to four. Basically, I've been following your exact. Like I watch your timings on TikTok and I just post right after you. Basically. Listen, you know, I've said it a bunch. Watch what I do, not what I say. I appreciate it. I know. That's what I'm doing. Um, so where do you go from here? I, I think that, I think there's a lot of places you can go from here. The num- If I was in you know the basement with you and we were buddies from high school and we're like, okay, Gary, like you're a fucking good business dude. Like help me. I would first yeah. say, what kind, if everything went perfect, if I was the fucking ant farm genie of the future, I could grant with, Yeah. How would you want to monetize this part of the world? Do we want to sell $90 kits? Do we want to have a referral business? Do we want to, yeah. you know, 
make you famous so you're giving presentations at kids' birthdays. Like, like it really, really yeah. what I'm most passionate about is, for example, that last one. For a lot of people, that's like silly or like sounds stupid, but like, you know how happy some magicians and performers at kids' parties are? And yeah. I know characters that have gone on to like build viable businesses some of them are doing two three hundred thousand in appearances and doing a million between youtube ads and kits they sell and they fucking love magic so that's cool they love kids so i think for me it comes down to the number one place there's two things you do for sure one is you distribute the content in other places Mm -hmm. even a much smaller growth they lead to other opportunities press on CNN, which then changes your awareness. YouTube leads to a search result that pops. And now you're getting, you have a one video that has a million views on it in four years. That really is your awareness. Cool. There's a lot of different reasons. People are too caught up just in following count without realizing exactly. a lot of other things that go into success on social, which is really okay. just marketing, which leads to brand, which leads to business. Um, but I think the biggest thing we need to figure out is in a perfect world, how do we how do we turn this into something that, to me, I would literally, this is where I don't want to put your business out there. You're more than allowed to share if you want, but it would be, how much do you make in a year? And how do we get to that number with the ant farms so that you could actually do this full time? I really think that way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I couldn't really disclose how much I make, obviously, but yeah, for sure. Um, the, the process manufacturing ERP space takes up a lot of time and cool. It's just, it's a service based business, and I know you know. And, and I'm trying to. SAP headquarters in the same building as VaynerMedia in New York, so I know. I know. That well. I showed up and tried to knock on your door. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think. Look, I think extra hours at night. I mean, this is fucking crushing. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. Rep crush it. Uh, I have. I have your signed copy. Thank you. Sixty second close. <laughs> So, I mean, that book was written 12 years ago and you're literally living that life. I am. You know, you got a two-month-old, maintain your real life, take the hour you can on the side and build this thing up. But, uh, bro, just the authentic happiness you're talking about with the AFR thing. By the way, when people are talking, the fuck, the authentic story of putting, like, if you came up, like, I think you could build a multi-million dollar B2B business of HR executives buying ant farms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because your story is authentic. You're like, we did this. Like, if your story day in and day out, just like my, the reason I won in entrepreneurship was I was a purebred entrepreneur of the 80s and yeah. 90s. Lemonade, baseball. Yeah. Yeah. We really started this to get a seven to 12 minute mental healthy break in a 100%. Product. I could see you selling unlimited amounts of these ant farms to HR executives on LinkedIn. I mean, you should make LinkedIn only videos. I, I have, are you in a place yet where you can sell some of these ant farms or you have, or, or other people have them and that's why their sales have gone up? Have you struck an affiliate sales deal? Have you thought about building your own? So I have struck a small affiliate sales deal. It's not fully inked yet, but um, I basically like, yeah, so that's already happened. I just reached out. I think you should make a couple of videos for LinkedIn, be authentic as fuck. Like literally the video is like, hey, LinkedIn, this is me. I'm a this ERP. Like, you know, here, this is the ant farm. Let me tell you the story. Like literally story time, story time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even talk about, and now I biz dev, and now I have an affiliate deal. And here's the link to those people. Like yeah. 
completely transparent with the audience, I would do 20 to 50 of those, one for HR executives, one for the individual stay-at-home business person. I would make 20 to 50 LinkedIn videos. This is the perfect bro. This coronavirus is a blessing. It's, gonna force uh, it's crazy. It's a blessing. It's going to force people to try new shit that they would have never gotten to. I, I, actually, you know how meta this is? I've been talking about a, a morning show called Tea with Gary V Q&A show for oh, fucking four years. The best. I'm going yeah. to do something that I want to do that I haven't been able to do. So I would definitely do the LinkedIn thing just to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I started LinkedIn. I got my little light kit. I started to make like ERP tips videos just to get oh, myself out there. Love that. So, what um, you anything, any traction yet? How many have you done? Uh, I just started like legit just started two days ago. Good. So Bro, it's working. Oh, but. Rob, update me. Send me an email like a week or two and just put answer. Sure. I'll read it. hundred percent. Hey, one quick thing. When I come to New York, can I come battle you at NES hockey? Are you good at it? Why, would I even ask that question if I didn't have that cred? I'm in. I'm in. Send an email right now to Gary at Media and put NES and Farm, and I'll get Lou to take care of it. You're the man. Hey, one last quick thing. It should, so the, my Ant Farm thing is like a Bachelor meets The Hunger Games meets like me being Steve Hart or Steve Irwin. Yeah. Like, should I just to stay on that track? Just have a ton of fun. I'm having too just much fun. Have fun. If you listened, I don't know if you heard it. When you were talking mm -hmm. about getting over being on, on camera, I, I said quickly while you were talking, you're good at it. I, I think you're good at it. Well, thanks. Have Thank you, you watched one? <laughs> I'm watching how you're, how you're interacting here. And I cool. do, it gives me enough Appreciate of Appreciate it. So I think, yes. All right. All right, brother. Cool. We'll save time for the others. Thanks, Gay. Have a good day. Take care. A lot of fun. Let's keep it going, Dustin. I saw the book yesterday. What's her name? Okay. Hey, can you guys see me? Can you guys hear me? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing super well. What's your question? Um, so I have been um I've been working in the exotic animal. Ask your your question, like all I want to do is go on that bookshelf behind you and look up all those <laughs> items on eBay. Just to see <laughs> stuff. I love that. That's my cherished reference library. I love that. It looks epic. Thank you so much. So um, my husband and I have been in the exotic animal hobby since the 90s. We started yep. our YouTube channel about seven years ago. So our, our initial goal, and we also decided to move from hobby to business around that time. So we started our YouTube channel in 2012 and he's the big idea guy and I'm the detail person. So together, um, I consider us to be quite an epic force. Mm -hmm. And so basically we've been growing our channel very, very slowly for a long time. And um, sort of our backbone has been creating the highest quality content possible consistently. And so our channel has very slowly grown to 50K. Um, so one of the strategies we've been doing um, the last maybe three years is being super faithful to our social media. So that started off really heavily being Facebook and now it's moved more toward Instagram, although I still do post to Facebook daily. And then starting in December after we um, 
kind of got um, hooked to listening to you in the fall, we also started on TikTok. And um, all of that's growing very slowly. But um, we had a video go somewhat viral last year. And so that kind of, um, that, that grew us from about 20K to maybe 40K. Um, I wouldn't say quickly, but within four months, maybe. And now we're at about 50. YouTube. Got it. Okay. Keep going on YouTube. Yeah. So basically we, we feel like our growth has, has really kind of, um, come to a skidding halt and we just kind of want to know uh, where you would suggest we go from here. Okay. So a couple of things. Uh, so I, the growth is not necessarily a skidding halt. If you started it seven years ago and less than a year ago, you had a video that more than doubled your reality, right? Okay. I think it's, I think the growth off of that viral video has maybe stopped, but if you look at it in the macro, you've had more growth in the last year than you did in six years prior combined. So you're okay. pro- you probably have more growth going on right now than you've had for seven years. Yeah. Good point. So that's number one, putting it into perspective. Number two is I'm less worried about how many subscribers one has. I'm more worried about one, what one wants out of it. And so mm-hmm. how that's going. So is your hope and dream that you have millions of subscribers so that the ad revenue from YouTube is the monetization or are you hoping to monetize in a different way or, or, or are you, is your business good enough? And this is more of a, you know, competitive vanity part of it that you want the following to be higher. Okay, so um, our, our, our ideal hope for YouTube is twofold. Number one, to grow our business. And number two, um, uh, I'm sorry. What is the business? Oh, so, so our business is uh, we breed and sell exotic animals, primarily reptiles and invertebrates, mainly tarantulas. And um, hope is through the awareness, people reach out and buy tarantulas and other reptiles from you. Yes. Um, so, and, uh, to educate is kind of our primary goal, but to, uh, monetize the Asian of our channel to grow and also, um, to grow our business at this point, my husband and I are both still working full time. He works in the medical field. I'm a school teacher. And, um, so our next phase is, um, basically probably for him to start running the business full time. It's not supporting itself at this time. Um, we, oh, uh, another thing we started was an OnlyFans account and that's gone pretty well so far. So that's actually bringing in some revenue. Um, so that's also been an, uh, kind of interesting because we have kind of a fan base that's more a fan of me than the business. Okay. And, um, so yeah, that's been interesting. I, I model and dance. And so, um, that's been like, basically I just started that in December and they've, uh, our, our fans yep. have already paid for us to go to Chicago our next trip for a big reptile expo. So that's been a whole nother like separate uh, thing we're, we're trying. So long story short, um, we would want our channel to grow in order to bring revenue from our channel, also to educate, um, to grow our business and bring in revenue. How many hours have you spent on trying to um get educated on titling and thumbnails of your videos on YouTube? How many hours have you or your husband put in 
Don't bullshit. Together, probably 20, which sounds like a real shame in all these years. Honestly, honestly, you'd be surprised how many people are seven years in and are at zero. Mm. You know, so A, I would definitely spend more time on that. Okay. You know, 20 to 45 minutes every day. Just okay. Up on that. Um, I do think Facebook ads would work. Okay. Those yet. We haven't. Okay. So I do think Facebook ads have a sneaky potential. I just, Facebook ads work extremely well. Um, well, let me ask you a question. Are you more interested at this point to grow the fan pit subscription business or the selling of the reptiles? If you like had your way. Um, definitely selling the reptiles is certainly more of an interest. Um, and I would be a little bit sad if, if our reptile business never became successful, but we could support our hobby because I was modeling. Um, I mean that, that, that would be, that would be great, but ideally our, our business would, I I'm just kind of doing that in the meantime. Um, and also too, I'm not young, so I don't know how long that's going to, that's going to keep afloat. So I think, I think that, I think running ads to, of like incredible photos of tarantulas and reptiles on Facebook and finding the right target. Do you, you have a good, I mean, is, is it a business? I mean, I'm guessing here, is it predominantly male buyers? Of course. So like, is there an age group or is it really run the gamut? Um, so it does kind of run the gamut. So, um, it's, I would say though, predominantly like late twenties to mid forties. Yeah. So this starts exciting me, right? Like you start going on Facebook, you go 25 to 42. Mm -hmm. There might be some interest paint, you know, that you could wrap this to. I don't know if there's, you know, I don't know if, if it works on, you know, whether it's, believe this or not, whether there's bands that over, like, is, is are people that are into metal more likely to also collect? Like, I'm trying to think of like crossover. Crossover. Yeah. There's, there's definitely with like rock music and tattoos and reptiles and things like that. Right, so I would run like a Facebook ad against 25 to 40 year old fans of Harley Davidson and mm. then, run, and then run the tarantula photo, like the best photo you can come up with. Mm-hmm. And, and and then, and then a video ad, and then a picture ad. I think Facebook will surprise you. Instagram ads too. I think Instagram and Facebook, think about this. You have very visually interesting product. Mm-hmm. Like if you're into this, that's going to stop you in your stream when you see the photos of. Right. I, I think there's a scalable sales. It's very simple. I have no idea how much profit you make on per tarantula, but mm-hmm. it, how much is a tarantula? Uh, I mean, they can vary wildly from $5 to $400. So let's say that there's a $100 tarantula that we make, I'm just gonna make this up, we make $50 profit on. You can find a Facebook ad that costs you $23 to convert somebody, aka it costs you $2.30 per every interest click, and Mm -hmm. you convert one out of every 10 people, thus you're spending $23 to get them, but you're- dollars in profit you just start running the fucking ads as heavy as you can that is what you're looking for in a facebook and twitter environment facebook environment i believe that's sitting there for you it's going to take the 
ability to figure out that it's 25 to 37 year old Harley Davidson fans. You've got to figure that out. But once you've got that, it can become quite scalable. Okay. Awesome. Hope you have so a great- is, yeah. um, I was just wondering, is there like a specific, um, like search engine technique or website that you use to try and get that data? No, it's about actually coming up with the ideas like we just did here. And okay. then the Facebook ad product, you go into the ad you know, program on the back end of both Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. ads, and you'll see the selectors and the queries and, and the, the way to navigate that. No different than when you used to buy SEO ads or anything like that. Okay. Awesome. awesome. Well, I just want to say I'm a big fan and I'm so honored that you took the time to, uh, to uh, answer my question personally today. You're the man. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. You as well. Let's keep this going. Awesome. Gary. Can you hear me? How are you? Good, how are you? Can you hear me? Hey, Gary, what's up? Hey, man, first of all, a moment of gratitude, man. Um, You know, I've been consuming your content for a little bit, not too, too long, but I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because I feel like you've given away so much just free information and so much value to people, you know, and um, it's been amazing to listen to this information and some of it is just motivational, you know, you're a big reason why I just started my YouTube channel and Instagram channel about uh, exercise and fitness and you know listening to you I realized you know why not what is holding me back you know so just thank you so much man I really appreciate it man my first question pertains to uh, quality versus quantity of content that you post Uh, I just got a PDF of your website um, about 64 pieces of content that you recommend people put on on a daily basis so I wonder where do you find that balance? You know, how much do you, like, how do you determine content quality versus quality? So for me, quantity is not debatable, right? Meaning, um, uh, hold on one second. Uh, quantity is not debatable. If you put out 52 pieces of content today, 19, 18, that's the number. Quality is very debatable, right? You know, for example, there's some people that don't think I, that would, you know, wouldn't like the quality of this right now. I'm not using lighting, right? Like yesterday I was live on Twitter. They're like, Gary, you look terrible. I'm like, nah, just lighting. And I have bags under my eyes because of my family's DNA, you know, Eastern European shit. You understand that, Yuri. So like, you know, like to me, quality is subjective. You know, people overthink quality on production value. I think quality is based on the words coming out of my mouth right now. So for me, the way I look at it is, People use quality often as an excuse not to do. It's the thing they say because they don't actually want to put themselves out there. Um, And quantity is not debatable and quantity is more at bats. And I think it is a volume game on the internet and uh, because of the nature of the internet. So for me, how do I balance it? Uh, I don't put out anything that I don't think is quality, but I don't think production value or image quality is quality. I think the message and the words are the quality, not the package it's delivered in. Understood. Understood. The next thing is the brand name itself. Obviously, building a brand is so important today in today's world. So 
Um, just to give you an example, the YouTube name is Learn to Exercise, uh, but the Instagram name Learn to Exercise is taken. So um, how important it is to have the exact same name? Is, is, it, is it okay to have some um, okay. underscores and things in the name? It's okay. Names and handles are made. I'm Gary V with two silent E's. That's not smart. It should have been Gary V and no E-E. -E. But I made it through my actions. McDonald's sounds like an Irish pub, not like a, you know, what does Nike mean? What does is, what is Google mean? They don't mean anything until the person makes it. And so for me, I think that brands are made and handles, people will find what they're actually looking for. So I'm not crippled by having different things. I prefer you have the same, it's easier for customers, but I don't think it's devastating. Um, I would also argue that your name is generic, like, right, it's just generic. And uh, I think too many people think in search terms and try to think too technical instead of making a name. I'd, you know, I'd rather it be called Yuri's Exercise because it's ownable and it's more distinct than for it to be a generic term. Um, but that's your choice. But I think to answer your question directly, I'm not crippled by a different Twitter handle or Instagram handle. Uh, Wine Text, uh, a platform that I have for my dad's business, which is going really well. All the social handles are Wine Text with an extra S because we couldn't get wine tech. So we had a force, we even had to buy the URL with an S because we knew the social handles were gonna have an S. So, you know, wine text. So I'm not crippled by that. I think it's the execution. Gotcha. And um, another thing too, you just said you like to try new shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to say that word. But, uh, so I was wondering, would you be willing to try a 30 day quarantine training with Gary V, like an online type of training? I wouldn't just because, you know, I appreciate the question. I appreciate the right hook. I think for me, it's, um, I just, I don't like to put my name behind stuff that I don't control nor I'm passionate about at that moment. So that's why I wouldn't, but I appreciate your asking. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it, brother. Take care, man. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Awesome. Brad, how are you? I'm very well. How are you, Gary? <clears throat> I love the Mariners shirt, bro. That's fucking fresh. Yeah, man. I got to uh, keep that baseball alive, man, while we get a little downturn, bro. I know, bro. The, like, we, uh, my fantasy baseball draft is, like, my favorite thing in the world, and it was literally supposed to be yesterday. So I was, like, in this sad, uh, sad state. So what's yeah. good? Oh. Uh, well, so, so I, uh, took your advice, um, uh, in about nine months, I stopped watching you Good. and, um, uh, about two years ago, I, uh, started my own business. I got it from that. Hopefully you didn't start that. something else. A lot of my, a lot of fans have reached out to me. They're like, bro, I stopped watching you. And then like three months later, I'll get an email and they're like, so listen, when I stopped watching you, I started watching this other stuff and actually it was crap. And, and then I spent $10,000 on this mastermind. I'm like, no, no, no. Stop watching <laughs> the theory of act on all the stuff you know. So anyway, I ho hopefully, hopefully that means you went into action mode. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So um, it came from that San Diego video that you just ranted on that hotel room. And I just, I told myself when I was an employee back then that I would, when I become an entrepreneur, I will definitely stop watching Gary and act. So, um, two years ago, I started my own business with a partner of mine. Um, and as I tested and tried a bunch of things along the way, um, I found out what I was doing was actually what I really loved. 
you know, so um, started a uh, sales and marketing business around um, architectural building products um, out here in Seattle. So there's a lot of a lot of action going there. I have a good, strong network. And and we were preparing for the last four or five months to expand and go from three employees to four employees. So we are super, super new. And and I was about to make the move this month. And then all of a sudden, you know, is this uh, what I've, the biggest lesson I've learned over this entrepreneurial journey is, is that it's, it's uh, sure, there's a lot of things that I know how to do and, and I can analyze and I can get there, but there's this grit, right? That oh. this entrepreneur thing takes, right? There's this grit of like, I call it, you know, like that? the stomach for it. Yes. Like it's a different breed than people don't realize. Like you, it's this anxiety. You have to have the ability to have a stomach to it's anxiety 24, yes. 7, 65. You're a firefighter. You're a yes. fire. Like you're always on. There is no vacation. I mean, do you understand how chill I would be right now if I was in college or in high school? I'd be pumped. This would be the greatest. I keep thinking like, fuck, why didn't Corona happen in 1993? If I had three months off of school, I would have lost my fucking mind and happiness. <laughs> and I'm a grown up and I have a thousand employees to take care of and like all this shit on my shoulders. No, that's exactly right. I mean, and then talking with these prospective employees and trying to basically craft and listen to their awareness and then understand like, hey, this is ours and this is where we're going to be. And then this thing hits. And along the way, uh, I'm just thinking the entire time, while everybody's zigging, I zag, right? It's a, um, there's an opportunity here that I don't know if I'm super clear on yet, but I do, I do still feel that gut feeling of to expand while there is a contraction, a perception of contraction in place. You know what I mean? This is, this is exactly, I mean, the amount of fortunes, and when I say fortune, I mean happiness and finance, fortunes that are going to be made during this next 12 week period is enormous. Right. It's uh, using a different, using the Seahawks metaphor instead of a Mariners, most people are going to go into prevent defense and give up a touchdown. Uh, I'm going to blitz and create a sack and pick up the foot, scoop the football up and score and win. Uh, I think that's right. Now, the reason I'm going to blitz is because I've done all the right things for the last decade to have a secondary that's going to protect me, AKA for anybody who doesn't follow the football analogy, I can go on the offense right now because I've left a lot of money on the table over the last decade because I've saved and I've right. um, on the flip side to your point, like let's say you haven't saved. If you're just starting, yes, there's enormous opportunity. You need to be able to get through three or four months here clearly. And right. And I think, you know, looking at China, looking at South Korea, looking at other places, this is this doesn't look like it's the Black Plague. It doesn't look like we're going to lose 100 million people to death. No. You know, I, I, you know, the government is clearly scared. And so we'll see huge stimulus packages. And so, look, I, there's a lot of reasons to believe of, like, if you can get through 100 days of pain, there might be a lot of prosperity on the other side. I, I think it's practical to go on the offense on these 100 days. And that's, that's the, it's really timely, this conversation. I've been, I've tried, I don't know, over the last four years to connect with you in various ways and um, for it to come at like today, right? Like this is, it's, it's incredibly timely 
And, um, and there's always this serendipitous moment for it. And it's just, um, man, I just, I want to, I see that opportunity and I can see these different cracks in this, this place happen. And for me in my industry, we were in that construction industry that was left behind in 2008 and 10 everybody departed. So there's a strong lack of resources and trained people to actually do it. And I've been basically creating this network and then now I want to suck them into like, just work for us and go after it. And they're all sitting at the precipice of saying yes and going after it. Now it's like that grit moment, that chest moment of like, I've done my analyzation. I've done this thing. It's time to take the leap. And Gary, that's something that, that, that uh, you don't read in a business book, right? You don't look on Instagram on, you know, it's so. not gonna come in the form of a quote for me. I think what, how I see this brother is life is about alternatives. Okay. I think the reason you have to do it is if you don't, in 39 years, you're gonna be sitting on the porch being like, fuck, why didn't I do it? I'm 39 Where, years old, dude, yesterday. Right, so happy birthday, so it's a funny <laughs> super weird you know and so like you know what i don't want is 70 year old you sitting there with regret i'd rather you jump fail and reset and not i i think people don't understand how much regret is the, the greatest thing of talking to 80 90 year olds which i find myself doing a lot of times in airports and random shit is yeah. and i'm an old soul and i've come to know that it Me is too spend all their time on all they talk about is the things they didn't do yeah look at an 89 year old in a nursing home right now and she's gonna tell you like she wished she married bobby thompson instead of rick and <laughs> she wishes that she started the business but that was not the era when women did it and he's gonna say you know don's gonna say that he wishes he did move to st louis to the big like, nobody ever talks about the shit they failed everybody always talks about the shit they didn't do yeah moment right now you're not gonna if you're if you're wrong and you take on this risk and the business gonna come in and you've got to let go of these people and start over it's not gonna feel good and it'll take you a couple of years to dust yourself off but you'd be 45 and you'll move on with your life right you it's gonna be it's gonna sit there forever and you're gonna regret forever yeah no it makes me emotional actually thinking about it that uh what changed my perception with you was um I still think about it as episode or Gary daily as weekly daily V episode 28. I wish. And I walk and you mentioned again today. And I, I remember walking through a uh, assisted living center that we had designed and built and done from there. And I remember seeing this 85 year old guy come and just sit in the lobby. And I remember I had to sit in the lobby to wait for this other meeting to happen. And I just watched him. This is right after I watched that episode. And come him down the elevator, he walks 15 feet, sits down in the lobby. And that was his, that was his walk for the day. And I remember looking at that, thinking about the perspective of really, I wish and going, I do not want to, I, the guy, when I'm that guy, there's nothing. You want to sit on the field. And, and, and much like, you know, for everybody who's listening right now, it was 28 to 50, much right. like all the things you thought about as a kid and now here we are, you're going to be that 70 year old. You're going to be that 80 year old. You're going to be that 90 year old. Yeah. It's going to happen. And so, bro, I think you're in the right mindset. And I think, I think that this, this moment is going to lead to a lot of opportunity. And I, I think, you know, the answer, it's very clear to me, you know, the answer, you know, 
just don't, you know, you've clearly analyzed like right. you know, how much risk reward, you know, like right. end up homeless and things of that nature. Like, but put yourself in a practical offensive position and go. Practical offensive position. All right, man, I got this. And, and one other question, if there's any other daily tactics that you do to just basically take that mindset and switch it, because there's so many different things of wins that change during the day. All my time on worst case scenario. Okay. That's all I do. People, and it's, it's funny, it's counterintuitive. People think I'm so offensive. All I do every second is think, if this all goes wrong, am I okay with going back into a studio apartment in Queens? And the answer is yes. Yeah, I just wrote my wife a letter the other day. I just said, there is no regrets that I've got over, over the 15 years that we've been married. And if I was to do it over again, the way we did it over again, I would do whatever it takes every single day, all the time. I'm proud of you, brother. Listen to me. What I would do is think about when you hire these four people or one person. Right. I'll go to six and you go for it. And if the market didn't respond the way you you wanted you'd feel bad that you let those people down and they have to go back to other jobs you have your whole life to make it one of the things i spend a lot of time on is whoever's collateral damage for my mistakes i always think i have my whole life to make it up to them you know for example i never raised capital before so when i raised some money for empathy from all my friends my business friends i, I i've never said this publicly but in my mind i said if this fails i'm just going to pay them all back you know over time right because you know, I wouldn't be able to pay it all at once. And so like, you know, right. it's just, you know, you're in control. Yes. That's the, that's the thing here is that I've never been in that position in my life. And I've always told myself when I'm there, I know I'm going to enter with no regrets. And now that I'm here, that chest, that grit, that love that I've got, it's, uh, it's this, it's this really dichotomy of this motivating factor, but then you feel this like, strain of holding back it's such a it's a very passionate feeling that um that it's just so different to define you know what i mean it, it's 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 a it's being 100 accountable it's not yes. having the ability to blame anybody else this is not no longer your boss's or the company's fault There's right no i get it brother i live it every day and i i've lived it pretty much my whole life and so i understand here's the good news Put it into worst case scenario. When okay. I, I think the sentence, when this fails, I'll be happy because I did it, and then I'll do this and hope. And and if you don't, if you don't risk the house, you know, I mean, right. what? You can buy a twenty eight dollar Mariners t shirt. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I wish you well, Brad. Thank you, Gary. Much love, brother. I'll be back. That was a good one. That was a good one. Awesome, let's do it. Ryan, what's good? Gary, how are you, man? Super well, Ryan. How are you? I'm uh, I'm excellent. I'm excellent. It's pretty amazing actually to to be able to be on a call with you. So I'm pretty excited about that. Thank you, brother. What's cooking? Well, I, you saw my question, you know, so I, I, I sell restaurant point of sale software. So I, I help restaurant owners, you know, make their businesses more efficient, help them run their business, grow their sales and so forth. And, and uh, with this shutdown, man, it's, it's just affecting all of them. And uh, so I'm just curious as to what ideas you might have for think, them to help them through it. 
I mean, for them, they've got to they've got to re-engineer their infrastructure to be able to do local delivery, or if they've got the savings to weather the hundred twenty-five hundred. You know, this could be for restaurants and public places. You could be looking at, you know, three fourths of a year because even when we open back up, I think there's going to be hesitation from ha- You know, it's, it's going to be a little while for public places to get all the way back. Because even if we open up in three months, you know, I know my mom and, you know, other people that are like, you know, kind of scared are gonna be a little less uh, excited about going, you know, there'll be a whole group of that couldn't wait to go out. So there'll be that pent up, but I don't, you know, it could be a little while before it gets to even Steven. So I think there's two things. One, they've got to innovate. And they've got to innovate in two ways, either from a branding standpoint or from an operational standpoint. Either they build out significant delivery infrastructure. So it's not only the ability to have DoorDash or, or Uber Eats or you know, seamless pickup from them. It's also the ability to have the capabilities of prepping those meals and things of that nature. But it's also building up awareness in marketing so that people choose their restaurant versus a different one. And number two, I think they need to make content. If I owned a restaurant right now, I'd be in my restaurant by myself. And I would literally walk, if I was a, if I was a owner chef, I would literally make a video of every single dish we have on the menu and show how I make it, why I invented it. And most likely I wouldn't have invented it. I would say, all right, here's our cheeseburger. Obviously, we need a cheeseburger because we fucking sell cheeseburgers all day long. Here's how we think about it. Here's a stove I chose. We don't clean it. That's the top. You know how people like to do that with the grill. That gives it the extra flavors. I'm big on tomatoes. I pick up my tomatoes from Cal. Hey, Cal, big shout out. Cal, I know you're struggling out there. I love you, brother. Like, I think people have to tell their story. I think that, you know, then I would go to my bar and, and literally be the, you know, mixologist and explain every drink we make. This is the time to tell your story. I would make 50 to 100 videos of why we started the restaurant, how long we've been here, how I negotiated the lease, my favorite customers, war stories, classic stories, every dish. Like This is the time to tell the world your story. I think of it right now as this. I think the coronavirus has caused us all to be into one huge virtual campfire in the fucking 1300s. And we need to go around and tell each other our stories, which is what we used to do, pre-television, pre-fucking everything, radio, we used to sit around and tell fucking stories from the fucking heart and from the brain. And I think every small business right now needs to tell their story, why they started their business, how they started their business, war stories, AKA bad things that have happened, hero stories, AKA great things that happened, and then go in the detail of their business. You know, I would walk around my fucking restaurant and be like, here's why we picked these chairs. I didn't have any fucking money. I bought them at a garage sale. Oh, this sign came from like, Tell the world your story in the form of 50 videos, the end. I think everybody should do that. 100%. Yeah, I agree. We've already been talking to some people like that. Like, grab your phone, go out in front of your restaurant. Like, we're open, right? Take them on a tour. Like you said, take them through the restaurant. Show them all the chairs sitting up on the tables, right? And tell their story. Show the kitchen. Show the food. All those ideas. Yeah. And for all the owners that are watching right now who are introvert and they're like, fuck, I can't do that. I'm too scared of the camera. I don't like the way I look. Use, use an employee, you know, you know, inevitably, you know, obviously we need social distancing. So maybe they need to be six feet away from you. But like, if your cook's funny, if your maitre d's charismatic, if a, if a, 
if a busboy who's been with you for six weeks just happens to be good at gift of gab, maybe, you know, a lot of people, my dad, for example, needs me to be on camera with him and then he's good, but he doesn't like it or is not as capable uh, solo. So maybe you're the owner and you just need a number, a second person to bounce off of because it's, you know, you got to find the way that you become comfortable, but you have to put out content and communicate. It's, it is everyone sitting at home and you're one viral video away from changing your business. And more importantly, you put them on YouTube and you're one, even if you never go viral, if you make one video about your Greek salad, that kind of does well on search results in your area. In, in a year from now, you might be getting 15 new customers a month just because of the one Greek salad video you made that happened to do well on YouTube or Google. TikTok is a huge opportunity right now. You know, like just get, get creative, get silly, but every, this is about will succeed 10X and that's the way the game is played. Yeah, yeah, 100%. The creators over the criers. Yeah. Like, you got to think differently. You got to innovate. You got to, you know. Differently, brother. Like, fuck. Like, I've been yelling about this for a decade. Like, make content for the internet. Yeah. It's like, you don't even have to think differently. Like, fucking take your iPhone, walk into your restaurant, and make 100 videos. I'm giving you the blueprint right now. Here it is. Make a video for every single product you sell on your menu. Literally. Make a video for literally every product you sell on your on your menu. And if you want to do a how to how you make it, because you're again an owner chef, great. If you're an owner and the chef comes in and you social distance and you make it, like, like this is a yes over no. This is a create over cry. This is a do over dwell mindset. All we are so lucky in the if this happened in 1984, there is no internet. So right from all my restaurant friends. They're like, oh, we're so unlucky. I'm like, no, you're not. You have the internet. You have your iPhone. So lucky. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you another question more from my perspective, right? So I struggle with, I don't want to be that guy coming in to try to sell you a new POS system when you are facing shutting your business down or no business at all. And I've had some of my contacts tell me, you know, you have something great to offer. You have a tool that can help these restaurant owners. So be that guy, but it's all about how you be that guy. Look, I think, I think from to your, to, to your point, I think you need to make a decision for yourself. I, I would struggle to try to sell a POS right now. Right. Uh, I would be putting out content. I would be making videos about, you know, I would make a video if I'm you right now, right? That's titled why I'm not selling my POS system right now. And I would just make that video be like, Hey, talk to a bunch of people. And now I'm making pretend I'm you I'm like talk to a bunch of my friends and associates. Ironically, serendipitously, I was on Q and a with Gary V like, and you know, he said it right for me, you know, or said it wrong. He said this, but for me, it doesn't matter whatever your truth is, but I would make a video saying why I'm not. And you'd say, look, I just don't feel like I can right now. So instead I'm going to be making videos about the value of POS. Like I'm going to, like I be make, I'm going to make videos that are titled like, Hey, I think you're making a video now of like, Hey, I tried to convince you because you were old school and you like paper and cash to do POS that didn't work. Now the coronavirus has hit and it's hurt your business. One of the ways you can business can survive is you not having inefficient overhead that a POS system can amortize out the value over two years. So, you know, like I would make content for post Corona now with your downtime. I would literally make a video right now called now that Corona's over. 
it's time to get a fucking POS system. Because <laughs> you need to like be more efficient, you know, like, right. Or you become the guy who like literally just gives tips on things that people could be doing for their business. Well, we're, I'm doing some of that to try to build those relationships, you know, and, and, and kind of like, Hey, listen, you know, give, right. Give, 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 right. Like, well, I can help. I've got other skill sets other than selling POS. I can help you with your Facebook page and your Google, my business page. And we're setting people up with online ordering, right? Like you should have had all this stuff in place before, but you did it. And now you're scurrying to do it and you're being, your eyes are being opened to new revenue streams that you'll be able to take advantage of in the future. And some are going to be sloppy and take shortcuts and overpay for things. Yeah. Like this is where you get to be a conciliation, a confidant, a partner that then may lead to you being the person they choose to do a POS with them. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's guys out there right now that are, they're doing it wrong. They're taking advantage of the situation. They're charging people out the nose to set up these makeshift online ordering solutions and they're not integrated and they're not going to be sustainable. Right. They're just taking advantage of it. Correct. Look, my blueprint's very simple. Like bring as much value for free as possible. And that may lead to serendipity. If that leads to somebody hiring the Sasha group, if that leads to somebody signing up to wine text, if that leads to somebody buying empathy or my sneakers, and, and there's no even expectation. To me, it's just the karma practicality of if you're providing the most value in the world, there's going to be things that work in your favor. Like, you know, to me, you know, I'm not hard, you know, the amount of people that I've like changed their business life who still go to a supermarket and buy a $20 wine instead of signing up for Empathy Wines is like that, tens of thousands. And that doesn't even bother me. Like, doesn't even bother me. You know, because I've signed up for karma practicality. And so, yeah, that's exactly right, brother. I think it'll work. Excellent. Excellent. I learned a lot from you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I'm Catherine. How are you? I'm good. I'm really excited. Thank you. How are you? Well, it's good to see you. Oh my God. I'm like freaking out. I want to go on that top shelf and look up all those stuffed animals on eBay. <laughs> a lot of them were webkins and a lot of them I did sell on eBay, but these are the ones that I left. Why do you have a poster of me on your wall? Um, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go ahead. So my question is basically what advice you might have for fiction writers for the internet. So I've written a few novels, working on more, don't plan to ever stop. Um, I'm 20 now. In high school, I thought, oh, I'm going to send out my books. I'm going to get an agent and then it'll all be easy peasy from there. That didn't happen. But uh, the more I think about it, the less sense that model makes to me anyway, because it seems like you're giving a lot of leverage to other people to build your audience for you and do everything for you. And so the more, the last few weeks, especially, I've been really thinking that just doesn't make sense to me, but I'm really at a loss as to where to go from here. Well, what, what, I mean, where you go from here is you sell, you, you obviously print yourself and you go direct to consumer, right? Yeah. And so the way, the way I was thinking about it is I feel like I have a lot of options. I'm not sure if I should do all of them, do one of them. This has just been occurring to me in the last few weeks. <laughs> so I've been thinking Wattpad, just straight to Wattpad. I've been thinking eBooks and just messaging everybody on Goodreads and saying, hey, do you want to read this? 
I've been thinking. But let's take it up a level because obviously you're educated enough to know Wattpad and Goodreads. And so your intact knowledge, which is awesome, good for you. Let, let's go up a notch. I think what you do is actually get people to care about characters. That's how you actually sell books. Mm-hmm. What really stands out, are you, what stands out for me is can you find a designer or illustrator and, and team up with her or him and actually start Instagram account. Like for me, if I was going to sell, uh, you know, a fiction book, I go into the mindset of like, first, let me start the Instagram account and the TikTok account of Donnie the Dragon before I even think about selling the book. Because if God forbid, AKA God willing, I can get people to give a shit about Donnie the Dragon then selling the book becomes the easier part of it. So I think what you should think about is micro little writings. Even Let me give you something that's been on my mind for a long time for writers that aren't designers, that don't feel comfortable, can't afford, or don't know how to team up with a designer. Even if you drew stick figures, mm-hmm. like literally you drew a stick figure and said, this is Carol. And then in the Instagram post wrote 12 sentences and started building up the profiles of the characters. I, you know the functionality. You already know, you answered to me the functionality of monetization of direct-to-consumer writing. Mm-hmm. Books, like, you know. So what you, what, you already got the 101. The 201 course, and really probably the 301 course is, how do we get people to give a fuck about those characters before you're even done with the book? So that, you know, again, I always say this. You, uh, I don't know if you've been watching, but like the gentleman who has a fucking ant farm on TikTok. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To me, do you write towards a certain age group? Like, because TikTok is super awesome. Um, the most recent one is young adult, but the more, the older I get, it's more moving out of that right now. Fair enough. You know, obviously young adult on TikTok, I think mm-hmm. has crazy potential. Even if you just sat and talked about it. Like, even if you just made a video of you just sitting in this room with this background, which I think is perfect. Uh-huh. <laughs> just like, hey, going to be writing a book. It's a story about Sal and... Lisa, you know, like I just getting people to give a fuck is your game, not necessarily the functionality of how not to, you know, I, again, this is what makes me smile. You already know the different model than getting an agent and having Barnes and Nobles and Amazon sell it. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to give you the one-on-one answer. I need to get you to think about how do you get people to care about it? If I was writing fiction, I would be putting out content about the story every day during the year I was writing the book. So by the time the book came out, everybody was dying to read it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, creatively. I'm going to be very weird here. Even if you took two of the puppets or the stuffed animals, <laughs> I'm not kidding. And you're like, Hey, I don't know what they're visually going to look like, but let's just call this rabbit Steve and let's just call this, you know, bear rock. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, this is how I'm going to do content. So Steve is talking about, I don't know what feels comfortable to you, but Mr. Rogers was a hit, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Archie comics was a hit. I don't know if you can draw. I don't, I gave you the stick figure. I gave you the straight to camera. I don't care what it takes. I don't want you to be reliant on somebody else to not make. I need you to make. You need to do, right? People will dwell that they can't afford an illustrator. No, no, they can draw stick figures. People will dwell 
that they don't have a great studio, I'm telling you to fucking just make videos right like this because I think the background's charming. <laughs> well, people will say they can't and I want people to be doers and I want people to be creators. Can't needs to be a creator. Dwelling needs to be a doer. No needs to be a yes. And that's how you get somewhere. So I have one that's ready right now. Do you think there's any... Do you think there would be any purpose in waiting or should I get that out and do the content simultaneously? I would probably take 30 days of trying to build up content before I released it to your point, because it's mm -hmm. ready, just to even test out my theory. Mm -hmm. you know, look, you know this. If you put it out now and you email your email list and you put it out on your small social media and you spam people on Goodreads, you're only going to get so much action. Right? So the reality is, is that I think you're better off trying the concept we have in place of like building up a little bit of a narrative. It'll be a good muscle for you to learn how to try to do it. Make sense? I think we might have lost Catherine. Dustin, we might have lost Catherine. All right. I'm glad we got off what we needed. Thank you so much. Let's move on. Yeah. Mira? Gazelle. Are we good here? I'm looking hey, look. See you, my dad. How are you, dad? He says, how are you? Good, good. He's good. Here, you mind if I take this car real quick? Sure. All right. Oh, man, what's up, man? That is good, bro. How do you pronounce your name? Uh, Misael, but you can just call me Mitch. That's cool. Misael is better. Sure. Uh, yeah, no, I love I love that name, but it's just like it's easier for other people to pronounce. But uh, man, this is crazy. This is surreal, man. This is really surreal. Well, we're here. This is odd. Um, so my question is basically, I I've I've grown up with some great, just to give you context, great parents, uh, immigrants from Mexico, and they uh, became citizens. My dad, when he was like 20, and my mom, when she was younger. And uh, basically, they raised us. They raised me and my sister really well. But uh, I felt like from my dad's side, he did a great job of structuring stuff and making sure I have a good work ethic and stuff I got. But um, from my mom's side, I felt very like, like if life had to be a lot of fun all the time and that created, yeah, can you hear, can, I can't really hear you. I can hear you. I can hear you. I'm listening. It's very interesting. Okay. Relating well. From your that, mom, that, she put an emphasis that life has to be fun? My mom did. Yeah. She, she put a big emphasis that, that life had to like, basically that every moment I couldn't be sad or that stuff had to be fun. And, and we, we never really complained in the house. Anything like that, but what's happened is, uh, there's been a and and I've kind of gotten out of this because I started watching your content a couple months ago. But uh, basically, I got to a point where my dad took away my allowance, and I felt like I deserved it. Okay. A sense of it, yeah. You know what I mean? You getting it? Yep. And I was like, When did this happen? This happened maybe a year and a half ago, maybe. How old are you? 
if not a year ago. I'm 18. You don't? Right now. Yeah. And basically, it got me it got me feeling weird. And then I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to have to figure stuff out now. Just whatever. And my allowance wasn't that big or anything, but it just felt like maybe it happened like two years ago. I don't know. But um, you felt anyways, that you felt that they were taking advantage of you, that you were entitled to it, that there was some bullshit. Yeah, I felt a little bit like, like, wow, these are my, they're my parents. Like, they should be hooking it up a little bit. You know what I mean? And, and, and it was crazy because. What did your dad like, say? What did he say? He said. You're a grown ass man now. Stop. No more allowance. <laughs> basically. Basically. I like the beginning of this video and I like him even more now. No, he's great. He's a great dad. But there was a time, there was a time when he was the, like, what we call him, uh, El Malo de la Película, which basically means the bad guy. Of course. He was the bad guy at one point because, you know, with my mom, it was all fun and whatever. And, and yeah, they divided it up. You know, not bad cop. That's common. Yep, yep. And, uh, but now, man, I, I respect him so much because I started watching your content and started, started realizing that I was entitled. And I was like, what the heck? Cause that was, it wasn't only the allowance thing, but several, several other little stuff. And, uh, it just, it started to liberate me, but now I'm at the point where I'm starting to work for him. Cause you know, school got shut down and all that stuff. And also my schedule is pretty loose because I'm a senior in high school. And so I go to school for like the first half of the day and then I'll go work for him the second half from like 12 to four. Love that. And what does he do? Uh, we are an electrical company so he's it. an electrician yep. been an electrician for 28 years and it. so that's what i'm going into and uh but anyways to get to the actual question um i'm starting to work consistently like a 20-hour work week soon to be 40 after i graduate and sometimes i find myself during the week like there's days where i love it and i'm having a good time and whatever and there's days that i won't Right. And I kind of feel like I'd rather stay home and play on my drum set because that's something that I realized I kind of like to do. Oh, you have time to do that. You're only. Yeah. And that's. Man, this is why I want to talk to you because I was like, man, I, I just don't know. I'm like, you talk about diving into your passions and stuff, but I'm like, I want to also provide support for a future family. Yep. You know, but then, but then it's like you say that not everyone's life is going to be like yours. And that we can have the work-life balance if we want it. And so. A couple things. So first of all, back to like when I think about ingredients, like you have so many good ingredients. Like I love your perspective mm -hmm. already at 18. I like the thoughtfulness. I love that you're over the hump on entitlement. I, I'm obsessed with the admiration and respect you have towards your parents. You remind me a lot of me at 18 right now because I've just had a lot of that. I think the one thing that I was able to do was I worked a lot more than you did at mm -hmm. this age and still thought I did have time to look at my baseball cards, play Genesis. Like, I think that my work ethic might've been more on point than yours is to be frank. Yeah. No, hundred percent. You're talking about 20 hours of work. And in that 20 hours, you're like, damn, I wish I was on my drum set. And I'm like, motherfucker, you can be on your drum set. Work these 20 hours, and even when you said soon to be 40 hours, I laughed in my head on some real shit. Yeah, I'm, 40 like 40s, yeah. like I was 85, 90, like real fucking hours, and still. Yeah. So, like, if you're gonna work 40, 
you have a ton of fucking time to fucking bang on your fucking drums, you know, and try side hustles and hang out with friends and live your life. 40's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. And, and, and what I mean by that is you're in a great spot because you have this, like, if you're talking at 18 about future family, you've got that practicality shit in your soul, which I love. Like, what'd you say, Ahead? You have that immigrant practicality yeah. thing in your, you're 18 years old. Most 18 year olds don't think about providing for a future family. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that you're in that practical place. But bro, on some real shit, 40's nothing. Like, yeah. 40's nothing. Like, I, I, I don't even know how to explain it to you. Like, I feel like you have an ability to eat, like have some grit and eat some crow and pay your dues. Yeah. I can you. I've got good news for you. If it's really 40, you got off easy. Family mm-hmm. business, second generation, like that shit usually looks more like 67, 82, 100. Like if you're at 40, yeah. you have tons of time between 18 and 30 to put into your side hustle of starting a YouTube channel around drums, to hang out, to like, I mean, fucking 40. Are you fucking kidding me? You fucking hit the lottery if it's 40. Yeah. 40? I used to work 40 in three days. My Friday, Saturday, my Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of every summer day in, since I was 14 was 40. 7 to 8 p.m., 13 hours times three. Like, fucking 40? You're fucking set. I'm real happy for you because I think you're going to be able to check every box. You're going to be able to help the family business, help yourself make some money, but you still have 100 fucking hours in a week to fucking sleep, spend time with friends, and do your side hustle. You're fortunate. Now, here's here's what I don't want to happen. And it's like right now I feel good and I have that drive. Yep. But what do I do if, when tomorrow I feel that like, like, man, that was great with Gary yesterday. Right. And now, you know, we're back to it and it's like, cool. And then and then the next week slowly progresses down high right now tomorrow you go hard but then in two weeks you're back to that place with two hours into the day of electricity exactly. like fuck i wish it. so listen this is what being a man and this is what being an operator in life is about learning how to get comfortable with the uncomfortable is yeah. the you know what i mean brother yeah listen, learning to get comfortable with the uncomfortable you said learning to like when you're in that zone at 11 a.m in you know on July 19th when you're like you're like fuck man I wish I was home playing drums or I wish I was I was with my boy Salvatore right now mm-hmm. like learning to get over that hump is is very required right like that is mm-hmm. like, people are you know we are so lucky <laughs> we're so lucky that a lot of people don't want to get a relationship with being uncomfortable. They just want everything to be mm-hmm. as awesome as like it's it's such macro entitlement as if everyone's life should always be awesome at all times. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is, you know, don't create this narrative in your mind of blaming your mom that everything has to be happy is why you're incapable. Yeah. That's not your mom trying to make positives out of negatives. That's you are fucking so lucky that you had such great parents that provided mm-hmm. for you that you are not in a place yet where you're like you're starting this incredible process of getting out of entitlement and I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. So now what you need to do, it's kind of like working out. It's like kind of that extra 10 pounds on the weight. Like this summer- Just get, is a, get those reps. 
get those reps. That's exactly right, man. I love that you like- 100%, bro. Like, like every time you're at 11.30 in the morning and somebody yells at you at the job and you're like, fuck, man, I could just be home playing Xbox. Every time you do that, you go into, my fucking parents immigrated to America. When they were my age, they were fucking scared shitless of making it in America. They didn't have a fucking pot to piss in. And I'm sitting here complaining about a fucking family business that my dad created on his fucking back that I can go to gratitude, go to gratitude. Mm -hmm. Man, I just got to train it then because the the main thing that was confusing me is I was like, I don't know, like, because you talk about, you know, if you don't like going or whatever, then you shouldn't be doing it. But the thing was that I was doing it some, that I was liking it sometimes, but not liking it other times. So then I was like, you know, what, what's the deal here? But you just, man, you just hit me with the unlock. And yeah. It's so real. Because what's, what's funny about that, it's like, look, unhappiness is not, is, is not something people should do. But to your point, and this is why I love doing Q&A, when I say don't do something that you don't love, I don't mean don't do something you don't love for an hour, I mean, don't let that be your 80 year career. Yeah, you know, like that's real. To me, I also say eat shit, and like I believe in eating shit. Mm-hmm. Like, like we just talked about it in detail here. 11:30, July 19th. You know, Miguel on the job yells at you and says, "Ah, kid, you fucking idiot!" And you're like, "Ah, oh, fuck!" You know, like you know, like yeah, shit. Like that's the moment you take a step back and and you think about this conversation, and you're like, right, when my dad was my age. When your dad was 18, seven, you're 18 or you're 18 or 17? I'm 18, I'm 18. When your dad was 18, tell me exactly what he was doing, if you know. He was hustling, uh, doing, he was, he was installing like video game machines in Mexican, uh, what's it called? Like, not really bars, but more just like kind of convenience stores. He would go into, I'll tell you the story real quick. He would go into the store. And tell the the owners be like, hey, you mind if I install these things for you here and there? Like, no, I don't want any. I don't want any little toys or anything. And then he'd be like, here, let me leave them here for a day, and then I'll come back tomorrow and pick them up. And if you still don't want them, you know. And then basically he would leave them there. A bunch of kids would come play on them and buy stuff from the store. And then the store owners would be like, oh shit, yeah, okay, I want them. Yep, bro, your dad was grinding. Mm-hmm. Or your dad didn't love installing fucking video games and fucking cranes and fucking, you know, but like, bro, you have your whole life in front of you. You, you absolutely need to build a relationship. Almost everybody under 30 in America, yeah. almost everybody needs to find a relationship with adversity and getting comfortable with eating shit. And I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a great summer for you to like learn that. And bro, yeah. That 40 thing is huge to me. I'm so, I'm, I, I, bro, when I, I can't explain to you how lucky I think you are. 40? You have the whole fucking rest of the week. 100%. If it's really 40, is it going to be really 40? Which is great. Is he, it really yeah, he, he said 40 to 50. He said 40 to 50 <laughs> if you I, wanted I to. Love- you know what I'm saying? Bro, listen, man, let me tell you something. I thought I was the hardest working person I knew when I was 28 years old running wine library. I fucking worked all day, you know, 8 a.m. to fucking 8 p.m. every day. That was soft compared to who I am now at 44. I go harder, stronger, smarter. This is about fucking reps and gaining muscles, right? You're, you've got your stocky dude. I'm looking at you right now. You know that if you worked out like a fucking maniac for a year, ate Mm -hmm. right, fucking lifted weights, you'd be a fucking monster because you've got that build. Mm -hmm. 
that's yep. that I had mentally. I had that fucking built mentally, but it was the fucking reps for mm-hmm. two days that made me fucking completely unstoppable. Look at this like you're going into training. You're going into training 40 hours a day to fucking put calluses on your fucking hands. Mm-hmm. Put fucking create thickness to your skin, to your fucking dome. You're creating Let's go. You understand? This is you going to training. Yeah. This, you need to be like Rocky and fucking Rocky. This is about going in the snow. Like go into this like, holy shit, I'm so lucky that I get to go into training. I'm going to get paid to tr- fucking train how to be a fucking mental assassin for the rest of my life. You're lucky. Yeah. That's so real, man. Yeah, bro. And you get to do it with your dad. You know how fucking, you're so fucking lucky. Most people that are watching right now have to do it for a boss they don't know. The greatest thing that ever happened to me is the memories of being in fucking trenches with my dad. You know? Like, I, I, you know, it's crazy that I get to have those memories. One day my dad's going to be gone and I'm going to be so happy about those hours I put in, those war stories. You understand? Yeah. And I'm crying because I'm happy because I'm, because this is, I was on the fence and I didn't want to leave because I, I liked the electrical, but I didn't want to leave to try to get a job in, in drumming, right? Because I was like, I like both. I like working with my dad. And so this, this was really the unlock for me. You're bro. And that's why, that's why I'm feeling it, man. 40 hours a week, you can start a drumming YouTube channel. You can fucking work at a drumming company. You can work at a drumming company at night. You got 40 mm-hmm. hours a dick. Yeah, you can go get gigs. Yep. You can fucking, yep. you have so much time and you're going to gain a strength. You're going to gain a strength. Yeah, man, that's so real of like just being good at being uncomfortable and being like, hey, you know, this is kind of boring, but I'm going to get through it because, you know, my family built this and, you know, I'm I'm so grateful for the opportunity to even have that because a lot of people my age coming out of high school don't know what they want to do, don't have a job. Right. And you're going to, you're going to learn a skill. You're going to learn how to interact with grown ass men. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn how to interact with customers that are upset. You're going to watch your dad go through adversity. You're going to learn. You're, you're getting an education mm-hmm. and you're a training and you're going to get paid. You should be paying your dad. Yeah, 100%. I looked at it, man. 100%. I was so grateful that I decided that when I was, I realized at 22 that I had it. And I decided, well, instead of going building something for myself, because I could, I knew the internet. I knew the fucking, I knew the hustle. I fucking knew it. I was making $500, $1,000 when I was 13. I was 22. I was a grown ass man. I didn't need to go into my dad's business for me. I needed to go into my dad's business for me emotionally because I wanted to give back because I knew I could. And I knew I was going to learn a lot of stuff. You know, no. Did it feel great to not have a lot of money because in a family business, you really never pay yourself that much. You know, if I was an executive, I took a business from three, the 60 million, I would have been paid a million a year, but was, you know, no, but, but those memories with my dad and doing something that giving back to my parents who came to this country with nothing and built the foundation that I stand on, that's something I'll never regret. And you're going to have that opportunity. And if I fucking only did 40 hours a week, I would have probably started a baseball card, starting lineups, eBay flipping business on the side too, and gotten double, you know, like happy. So like the, you, know, yeah. you really have it good, bro. Mm-hmm. 
And it's so crazy that you say that because of the fact that like literally only like a week and a half ago, I told my mom and I just talked with her and I was like, man, I'm so grateful for you guys because of, because I just got, I just felt this gratitude wave of like, man, I'm so grateful, but I just didn't know how to apply it to the work thing because I was, I was confused on like whether or not, you know, but man, it's, 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 it's. It's all about the perspective of like, man, when I'm older, I'm going to be able to look back and say, I got to work with my dad. I got to do the 40 hours, like you said, and I can still do my other stuff. And, you know, and let me, you could go 80 hours for seven years Mm -hmm. and fucking be 25 and young as fuck. I'd rip both my arms off right now to be 25. You can go 90 hours a week do no drums and bounce out of there as a fucking child, still a child. Mm-hmm. You have, you have everything you have, you have sure. good perspective and, and maturity at 18 and you have your whole life in front of you. You got a hundred more years of life. You're going to live for a hundred more years, bro. On some real shit. You're part of that lucky generation. You're going to live to one. No, I believe that. I can see that. I can see it. At least a hundred. At least 100. 118. You're going to live 100 more. Listen to me. You will never, ever, ever regret working 40 to 50 hours a week with your dad for the next prolonged period of time. I promise you that. I rarely be that. I'm rarely that definitive, but I've spent enough time with you right now to know that to be true. You've got too much of that soul and gratitude towards your parents. Any kid who's watching right now, who is grateful and loves their parents for what they did for them should go into the family business because even if it's a disaster, you'll always be happy that you paid back a little bit to the thing that put you on. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so real. Can we, can we take a photo real quick? Let's do it. All right, you ready? I don't know what I'm doing here. I'll just do a little piece of <laughs> Maybe a little, little rock on. For the fucking drummer. Okay, All right, brother. Always. Hey, have a good one. Thank you. You're welcome. That was epic. You like that, Dustin? Robert. Dustin, you're fucking up my flow. Got going there. It was a good one. My pops, I get a little teary eyed. Good, Robert. Robert, can you guys see? Hey, what's going on, Gary? How are things? Things are amazing, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Or as well as one could be. Sorry, can you see right now? I can't even tell. It's all black. Some hair. I see everything. <laughs> okay, dope, dope, dope. Um, yeah, no, my name is Robert. A lot of people know me as Bobby T. Um, I'm from Edmonton, Alberta, in Canada. You were supposed to come to the city, uh, I think, in two days. But obviously, because yes. of the current landscape, you're not going to make it. Uh, good news. Um, 
I'm working on, uh, I'm working with the organizers. It looks like we're going to be able to get a date in September. Okay, dope, dope. That's super dope. Um, so a little bit of context about myself. Um, I have like my own marketing agency here called Version Me Media, where we specialize mainly in content production, but then also community management and those kind of like different lanes. And obviously the one question I kind of had for you, I actually have two questions. The first question I have of you is like, in this clearly current landscape of things, um, I know there's like a ton, like we've lost a ton of business just due to people now holding tight. Um, but then also we're holding on to a couple of clients who right now are in different industries that are just now working very strong to kind of engage um, their current customers and as like a B2B. And my question to you is for right now, for people who are having sort of smaller agencies, what would you recommend our strategy should be in terms of like trying to grow or navigate or still um, yeah, you know, just hold on tight here? Um, and so, yeah, what, like, what, what would you, what are your thoughts around that? Two things. One, I would go heavy into sales mode and heavy into content mode. Uh, I would probably do a lot of LinkedIn and a lot of Twitter searching and a lot of cold outreach out and think yeah. about companies that are busy, you know, restaurants that might be doing delivery, food services. Like I, I, because when you're a small business, you need cash. And when you lose clients, you know, it can get ugly real quick, as I'm sure you know, Bobby. So one, I would, if, if I'm you, so it's, is it your company? Yes, my company. Do you have employees or is it all freelance? Um, it's free. I have freelancers that work with me. So I have a few that basically have like a video team. I have like writers. I have like uh, graphic designers who are all local and this all works for me. Too, you, know, items. you don't have overhead because you don't have a payroll, right? No. Beautiful. So, you know, honestly, then specifically for you, sales is important, but not required. Because for example, for me, I have a thousand people on payroll. Like that's scary shit as we lose clients, you know? Um, so for me, one of the things to do now is to really go on the offense on content. If you've got downtime, this is the time for you to make 500 fucking videos of, you know, I'm a big fan of what if, like, I think one of the biggest mistakes small, um, small, agencies make is they think the information they have is what they sell. And I think it's the execution. So one of the reasons I put out all my best advice is I don't mind if a Bobby T in Edmonton picks up on that free information and go gets some business. That makes me happy for karma. And two, I don't think people sign with us for my smarts, even though I'm a progressive forward leader, thought leader, I think it's about the execution. So I think right now I would probably, if I'm, let me just make role play. I'm probably yeah. I'm probably making 500 YouTube videos because I think that archives and it's search of Bobby T's what ifs. What if I was a car dealership in Edmonton during the coronavirus and post coronavirus? And then just make a video and be like, I would set up this, I would set up this, I would do this, I would start my Instagram, I would make this. Like I would literally do that for like 500 different business sectors. Okay, that makes sense. The time for you to go ham on yourself. And yeah. everybody overthinks fucking quality. Look at how I'm doing this right now. I got the window behind me. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Overthink shit, Bobby T. They're like, oh, if it doesn't look professional, they won't. Fuck that. It's the words out of your mouth. No, no, hundred percent. And like, and I and I know your your quality um, over quantity kind of mindset, and I totally understand that. And I'm I'm blessed and I'm lucky that I have a really dope studio that I can just quickly bang out some of these items and stuff that I've been building. So, um, really appreciate that word of advice. I would think of, people think about YouTube as in subscribers and views. 
I think about YouTube like a search engine. I think you should put out 500 fucking videos on YouTube that literally have the word Edmonton in the title because then yeah. you become the fucking king of SMB in that area. Or if you want to make it Canada, if you want to make it or Canada, you or America or the world, like you decide you, but think about, you know, this is actually great general advice. Think about YouTube like a search engine, not yeah. like, like Netflix where you're looking for views and ratings. Everybody doesn't make content because they're trying to make fucking, you know, on, they're trying to make videos that get tons of views and get subscribers. And my whole thing is like, no, 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 make us, you make videos as a search engine so that a hairstylist in Edmonton stumbles on your video on what marketing you would do if you were a hairstylist, which then leads for them to reach out to you and be like, yo, I'm a hairstylist in Edmonton. I'd like to pay you 1500 a month to fucking do this for me. I would fucking, everyone's stuck at home, make content. You have a studio? Are you fucking kidding me? Make 500 to 1,000 videos where the title is a search engine query. Listen, for your business, you getting yeah. 187, 187 views on what I would do if I was a butcher in Alberta for my business, you getting 187 views on that leads to two butchers and you $800 a month for you to be their agency. 100%. No, no, that makes that makes total sense. And and I have a, a my second question I just had um, is actually it's it's about my wife. So my wife, she's an awesome um, music artist. She does kids music. Um, she is such a great performer. And we're trying to figure out also like sort of what would be like sort of the solid strategy for her to grow her brand. And then in the game of yes, content, 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 and jumping on the platforms and pushing on the content, what we're trying to figure out is like. And you kind of were speaking to this early when you were making a reference point about how for that individual who's writing books, um, teaming up with different artists to kind of create contextual content for like TikTok or contextual content and Instagram and writing books to get people to care. And I'm wondering what are your thoughts around people who are in the music area, specifically around kids music, what should they be doing and how can they do stuff other than just making I guess, music videos, is there, is there other layers that we can kind of go to create or grow her brand? I think TikTok is incredibly important. If I'm her, she's putting out four TikToks a day. Four TikToks a day. Four TikToks a day, because TikTok is so viral. Did you see the ant farm guy a couple hours ago? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, for her, it's TikTok. I think Facebook, because you're going to get to moms on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you know, uh, Facebook group, you know, okay. I think, yeah, let me throw this one at you. I think becoming the moderator of a Facebook group that is narrow, but has, you, you know, as you can imagine for her, does she want to, does she like getting, is a goal of her getting booked by parents to do events? Yeah. So yeah. Books or institutions in terms of, um, like the, local libraries doing little sing-alongs for kids and things like that. Facebook group right now would be huge. I also think live streaming right now, because parents are fucking besides themselves having their kids in their home 24 seven, they're looking for ways to entertain kids. This is a viral moment opportunity for her where she just goes live and entertains and like starts a Facebook group for moms where moms know that they can just put their kid on a, in front of a laptop with her for from 11 to one every day. No different than what I did from nine to 11 right now. So like I think Facebook group where she's the moderator around kids activities, which then lead to people booking her as long as she's not trying to sell herself in the group at every minute, but providing value. 
Um, but I think live streams and I think do TikTok, four TikToks a day. I mean it. Four TikToks a day. Friends and then making kid video versions of that will crush. Every, totally. the amount of 13 year olds on TikTok that have six year old siblings is remarkable. Okay, so then by engaging those teenagers who will then engage their younger brothers or sisters, they'll just go full loop while they'll be like giving their phones to these young kids. Never thought about it like that. Role play. No, hey, that is. Ready? You see where we're going? I'm I'm 13 year old Sarah. Hey Tiffany, yeah. come here. You gotta watch this. This looks like live for you. You know, got it? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's that's huge. You know, that's how it works. No, it's wicked. No, appreciate appreciate all that. And then I haven't asked for you, Gary. So when you when you said that you're coming to Edmonton, um, I have my own podcast show. Um, it's called 360 Chat with Just Bobby T, and it would be awesome. I would love to interview you when you come to Edmonton. All right, so Bobby T, I'm going to make a 90% promise because I don't know about logistics. I might just fly in and out, but a 90% yeah. promise. Email me right now, Gary at VaynerMedia. Say it's Bobby yeah. T Edmonton, and I'll I'll probably give you 10 minutes in the green room before I go on stage for a quick little take. Wicked, though. Appreciate that so much. Talk to you soon. Dustin, okay. I have a conference right. call with Vader Media. Thank you for everybody who spent two hours with me this morning. I'm going to try to do a bunch of these uh, this week, next week. I mean, the more Corona, the more tea time with Gary. So, Dustin, thank you. The rest of the team, thank you. To everybody who watched this morning, I wish you guys nothing but the best. Much love. See ya. As we end today's podcast, I want to give a huge shout out to the people. You know, it's so funny. People that leave reviews and written reviews of this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms just mean the world to me. You've taken an extra 13 to 95 seconds to show love and also give context to people of why this is a worthwhile podcast. So I appreciate that so much. And even more fun, because uh, I think we all love a little cosign or a shout out or a little awareness. Uh, I'm gonna have the team give a couple of shout outs uh, daily on uh, our favorite reviews. So Dean, take it away. Which were our favorites this week? Thank you, Gary. Today's review, thanks, Gary. Written in by Arnie Francesca Jr. says, as a 60-year-old entrepreneur who took a massive punch in the face 10 years ago, finding your content the last 18 months has changed my life and inspired me to live my next 60 years focused on happiness, gratitude, and encouraging others to never give up and believing it's never too late to make an impact on others. Thanks. Thank you so much for writing in. And remember, keep leaving reviews because yours could be next.